is the Counterculture Comic Podcast, and this week we're talking about concrete and concrete and concrete and something else that may come up. And a little more concrete. And a little more concrete. And I'm Nick Hemsing. I'm Brock Beauchamp. Yeah, we uh, are kind of back to our regular scheduled programming, except this week we're only doing one book, but it's a relatively long book. And I read a lot of concrete this week. Um, I think I read three volumes in all. Oh. Yeah, so we I didn't really have time. And then the second I finished concrete, I flipped over to the next podcast subject, which is going to be Hip Hop Family Tree. And once I started reading that, there's no way in hell I'm reading anything else. So. Okay. A little bit of a preview I, I, into I, I, next I, podcast, you know. Before I, we start this podcast, let's talk about next week's podcast. Yeah, well, that's great, because we, we don't have a lot for this week's podcast. We really don't. The, the problem with blowing out all the news we wanted to talk about last week is... Um, oh, that we blew out all the news one. Yeah, we want to talk about. I mean, there's a couple small things. It appears Winds of Winter may have gotten a release date accidentally from Amazon. Uh, March 9th, I think, is what the rumor is now. But, I mean, yay. I mean, I'm going to read it. Sure. Um, I'll read all his books because none of them are bad. They're just not nearly as good as they used to be. Yeah, but yeah, I, I, <laughs> the uh, I I still say I I don't believe it. Yeah, I'll, I'll wait. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll wait until something actually appears, and then maybe I'll allow myself to think that that actually could happen. But you know, totally un- totally understand that you know George could be upset that. People would want to ask him if he's going to finish his. Uh, he's be upset when they ask him if he's going to finish his book before he dies. However, um, we do have a still have a limited lifespan as human beings, mm-hmm. and that man writes at a glacial pace. Um, yeah, he which does. you know, it's up to him. It's fine, but still. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I care a lot more about the show at this point. So as long as they have all the notes and guidelines they need to finish that, that's what matters most to me. Well, yeah, well, he's going to, I mean, the show is going to finish the complete story before, um, you know, before what the, uh, well, the well before the seventh book. I mean, I'm yeah. still guessing before this, this book. <laughs> yeah, so. I don't know. Um, you know, it has been five or six years since he released mm-hmm. the last book. So it's reasonable that he's about getting ready to publish it, but and I'm, I'm just not that excited about it. Uh, we already saw a bunch of the content in the show that's going to be in the book. And the book is different enough now. And it's been, you know, four or five years since I read the sixth book uh, or fifth book. Um, and it's going to be hard for me to readjust to the novel storyline versus the show storyline. And there's no way in hell I'm going to go back and read those books. Yeah. I mean, maybe one in three, but <laughs> I'm not reading anything after that. No, no, I I, I definitely have uh, no interest in going back to the uh, the, the earlier books. The uh, I, I remember enough. And yeah. I'll call it good enough. I can probably pick it up as I go along, but yeah, we'll like, see if it's oh, actually that's right, that out. happened. It could just yes. be a disgruntled intern at uh, Amazon who's, you know, angry that he or she is being paid 
you know, a buck fifty an hour and just put in a date just to troll the world. Well, that and uh uh making uh making George uh have to answer that question again. Yeah, really. But uh yeah, so we don't have a hell of a lot to talk about. There's a Stan Lee movie coming out that I was super excited about for like three seconds, and then I learned that it's not actually the story of the creation of Marvel Comics. It's like some weird 70s action movie that has Stan Lee kind of placed into it as a character. It makes no sense to me either, but man, it really got me thinking. Like, I would totally watch a Stan Lee jack kirby this is how we created marvel comics movie you know kind of in the vein of you know biopic like steve jobs or what have you uh, I, I mean i don't I know would, where the conflict would come from but it, you know if there isn't already a just a, a in-depth documentary on it well I mean, it has to be somewhere i just yeah. haven't seen it but i i well now i now that i think about it i kind of want to go see if there is one and hunt down and watch I, it i don't know if i've seen one specifically about stanley and jack kirby and marvel but i've seen many documentaries about the history of comics and i've watched a few of them um but yeah i don't know if there's anything specifically about marvel and that's a really good point i think i will pursue that and see if netflix's trove of documentaries has something for me yeah yeah it's worth looking at i i uh it's fascinating to me. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of I'm interested in the the formation of Marvel. I'm not as interested in the formation of DC. Well, DC um, was more accidental. Um, mm-hmm. Like they just kind of had Superman, and then Detective Comics had actually predated Action Comics, or did it? They came out roughly. No, I think roughly the same time. I can't remember which came first. But Batman didn't appear until issue twenty seven of detective comics when the title was just kind of floundering and then they're just like let's throw in this bat dude and everybody's (laughs) like hey bat dude looks pretty cool you know so there it wasn't like there was one group of people like they had in marvel who very much set out with a a plan and you know a pair of guys or you know more like four or five guys created about half the iconic superheroes that we think of today. Mm. And that didn't happen in DC. It was more of a slow trickle. You know, the silver age flash didn't come until 56, I think, Um, you know, wonder woman came in 40, 41, somewhere in there, I think. So, you know, it was just kind of a, Oh, here's another character. Here's another character. A couple years later, here's another one where Marvel was like, from 61 to 65, they introduced X-Men, um, Fantastic Four, Avengers, um, and obviously along with the Avengers, Thor, Iron Man. Uh, they reintroduced Captain America, uh, Daredevil, um, Spider-Man. You know, all those guys came out in a matter of three years, basically. It's kind of crazy. Oh, well. Well, I mean, the, the uh, I mean, that's a generation that had they got to build off of what you know that early those early comic book superheroes and and then uh you know along with the you know you have the 60s idea of you know kind of making statements yeah and that was a big part of marvel comics because of course the 60s counterculture was coming up at the same time and like the flower power generation and hippies loved marvel 
because it was all about characters with flaws trying to overcome them. That was the basis of almost everything in Marvel. And so there was a, there was a lot more interesting underpinnings that came along with the creation of Marvel Comics. Yeah. So the uh, and you know they still are able to pull some interesting stories for them for their uh, cinematic universe today. Yeah, I mean the uh, I mean superhero comics themselves are still not my not my favorite thing, um, but I do definitely I definitely respect what they were trying to say with some of those with those characters. Yeah, well, it was, it was a very it was the first in many steps of changing the perception of comics again after unfortunately marvel and dc and i think it was mostly dc though base basically murdered ec comics because you know comics in the 50s were very very different it was um there were war comics horror comics suspense comics thriller comics it was a very different landscape than what we think of today and unfortunately marvel played a role in killing that but they also introduced a different kind of storytelling that later evolved into image becoming what it is today. Uh, Vertigo having a platform in the 80s and 90s. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of interesting history baked into that time period. And I don't think that really exists in DC. Well, you were going to say uh, what image was in the 90s? Oh, well... It... I mean, as great as images today. <laughs> I like the way you skipped, <laughs> like the uh, like what images today, yeah. not what image was. I mean, well, you know, I'm putting on my rose-colored glasses, and um, you know, as great as images today. In the 1993, it was a, it was majestic. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> I mean. There's a reason I have, you know, Wildcats and Cyberforce number one, you know, on my wall and a giant Youngblood number one poster on my ceiling above my bed. <laughs> God, those but, books were horrible. Oh, my God. Yeah, and I bought them all. Yeah. And actually, this podcast is a bit of a mea culpa for 15-year-old Brock in 1992. Because I wanted to read the book we're talking about. But I was just young enough where I'd missed the first couple years of it. And back then it was really hard to get into kind of underground. Not It wasn't really underground, but a little bit more obscure comic books, indie books. Um, even though it's a Dark Horse book when you, today you say, well, it's Dark Horse. Well, yeah, Dark Horse was founded in like 91 or something. So this was one of their first, I mean, it might have been earlier than that, but uh this is real early in Dark Horse's run. Yeah, uh, the uh, going back to reaching back to uh, you know old origins of our uh, was our early comic book past. Uh, well, not our past, but the early past comic books. Talking about Stan Lee, I'm just amazed at the quantity. <laughs> oh, it's breathtaking, isn't it? The the uh, I mean, that guy showed up to work pumped out a comic book you know it's just or two i mean the the writing quantity that they were doing during that time was uh staggering oh yeah and you read those comics and they are not light on dialogue i mean uh, in 
you know, an early Marvel Silver Age book, that's like a 30 minute read. Where today I can blow through most comics in eh, maybe 15 minutes. You gotta get, gotta you know, gotta get through, you know, gotta yeah. get to the next issue. It's it's amazing that he produced that many comics a month, and the fact that he wasn't paid by the word, because he sure wrote like he was paid by the word. Yeah, um, it's certainly, uh, uh, it's it's just interesting. I mean, I, I guess you know, it's it's nice to know that I guess during that time you definitely could have uh, gotten your uh, gotten your money's worth. Yeah, and You're, comic books were a nickel, you know. Yeah, and they might know, have been you, a dime then, something like that. So you give the, you know, they give the kid a nickel, and then he's, uh, you know, reading somewhere and out of your hair for a while. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a big problem in comics, and there's a reason why the average Marvel book sold a quarter of a million copies back then, uh, adjusted for inflation. Um, Fantastic Four number one came out in 1961. I think it was a nickel. And I did the math on this a long time ago. Adjusted for inflation, that book would be 75 cents in today's dollars. And we wonder why comic book, uh, you know, sales numbers have just taken such a nosedive. Um, you know, the, these used to be eminently approachable and readable stuff for kids. And they they were affordable. They um, and they provided a lot of content for kids uh, for for their nickel. And it's kind of sad. I know some people don't feel this way, and I'm not one to get on the nostalgia train too often. But to see for so long art take a higher priority in comics, along with paper quality and all these things that drove prices up to four dollars a fucking book, and yet there's less dialogue in the process where the old books were just totally the inverse. Yep. Well, the, uh, it's different. I mean, the, I, I don't know how easy it is to get also to get the younger generation interested in, in comic books. Like I'm talking, I'm talking kids, I guess. Um, the, uh, maybe it becomes, a, maybe it becomes easier to get, um, teenagers and, uh, young you know, young adults into into comics. I, I'm uh, the uh, maybe that's the the shift, and maybe they don't want to spend as much time reading a single one. But yeah, it's I mean it's kind of a loss. I mean, every once in a while we hit. There are books that definitely spend more time, a lot more time on dialogue. Yeah, um, well, like for example, we read the Arrival, and I realized after reading that book, there wasn't a single fucking word in it. I was mm. like, "Come on, guys!" Mm, I, I mean, I wasn't for that. I was fine with. No, that. No, I'm joking. We both love that book, you jackass. Oh, I'm like, <laughs> it's a well, silent I, 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 comic. For a second, That's for a second. Stick. I was wondering what the fuck you were thinking. I'm like, what? The, what the, huh? huh? <laughs> uh, but again, it is, it is the morning, and I am easily confused. Yeah, that's fair. It is Sunday morning. Yeah. So, um, um, yeah. Hey, we enough waxing about nostalgic. not concrete for a little bit. Yeah, we did. So do we want to go ahead and talk about concrete? Yeah, sure. Invented by it. the Romans in 500... No. <laughs> well... <Sorry>. Wrong concrete. <laughs> um, okay, a uh, brief summary is, over seven feet tall and weighing over a thousand pounds, he is known as concrete, but in reality, the mind... 
but is in reality the mind of one Ronald Lithgow, trapped inside a shell of stone. Wow, I am sucking at this hard. A body that allows him to walk unaided on the ocean's floor or survive the crush of a thousand tons of rubble in a collapsed mineshaft. But it prevents him from feeling the touch of a human hand. These stories of concrete are as rich and satisfying as any in comics. Funny, heartbreaking, and singularly human. Yeah, as I mentioned earlier, I found out about concrete somewhere around 92-ish would be my guess. And it was a little bit far in its run. I had the same problem with uh, Cerberus where it mm -hmm. had been going for too long and it was it was hard for me to catch up on it at that age. And that's why I tended to gravitate more towards Sandman and Preacher because th those were launching right at that time. Um, so I missed out on Concrete and for some reason I was just browsing the internet and I was like, holy shit, Concrete exists as a thing and I still haven't read it. So there you go. Now we're podcasting about it. But, uh, cool. That's a... Great story of how we got to concrete. Yeah. Fascinating. God, you're such a jackass. <laughs> I hate you so I'm, much. I'm so, I'm so glad, glad we were getting to a comic book that you're like, eh, I couldn't get to this in the 90s. And uh, I really almost just forgot about it. Oh, hey, it's here on the internet. Eh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> the excitement, the, the, I mean, just the passion for this is, yeah. I mean, the, you should just say you know what? it's a little bit early for me too so shut up um you should write the line i notes. actually am i was really excited to remember that this book exists and it's uh chadwick took an interesting approach to the book it's single issues and then it's short stories because concrete was also part of dark horse presents forever and that was another reason it was really hard for me to get into it is because anthologies have always bugged me I just don't like them. You know, I might like pieces of it, but then I just want to read all those pieces of that thing I like condensed into a book. Okay. So the uh, so I read the anthology you sent me. So did you read volume one or did you read the short stories? I read the short stories. I told you to read volume one last night. I know. I couldn't find the email. <laughs> oh, my God. He's the worst. Dude, you are the shittiest podcaster ever. <laughs> I texted you yesterday. It was yesterday afternoon. It wasn't even evening. And I'm like, don't read the short stories. Read volume one. I was helping somebody move yesterday. <laughs> Why do I bother, man? Why do I bother? <laughs> Anyway, so I'm I'm just going to mute Nick for the rest of the podcast because he didn't bother to actually read what we're supposed to read. Oh, it didn't it didn't hurt it didn't help that the last reminder I got from Dropbox because they said reminder the uh, file I went, oh and I went, oh this must be it and it was the anthology Jesus okay well the anthology. <laughs> has its merits it's not nearly as good as volume one which is why i told you to read volume one and not the anthology because volume one has concrete's origin and a bunch of really interesting things that we can't talk about now oh um you awful jackass <laughs> hey, hey, hey brock do you want to tell me about concrete <laughs> okay but still this is not as bad as that time where I said, read this book, and you went and bought the second issue of it and read only the second issue. 
<laughs> what was that? I don't remember. Well, I knew that we, I, I knew that what we did when we talked about um, the Watchmen books. <laughs> yeah, you're like, well, that was actually funny because you're like, yeah, this sucked. I stopped reading it. <laughs> or there were there were a couple where you were like, um, no, I just looked at the cover and I just decided I didn't want to read that one. <laughs> But the great part was, is you were right every single time. I'm like, yeah, that was know, terrible, I and I read it. Yeah. Oh, so. it felt so good to win that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so, so, so you want to do you want to tell me if, you want to tell me about concrete? Yeah. So uh, what happened is Nick has read ten short stories. And in between about every second or third of those short stories is a full, like, 20 to 30 page story. And it explains a lot of the events that happen between the short stories. So Nick is probably a little bit bewildered, as I was when I first read the short stories. But it still gives a good feel of the comic. And Chadwick, it's almost like Concrete is another, like I was talking about Marvel being a stepping stone to what came later concrete feels like a stepping stone in the history of comics where it came out in 86 and concrete is this giant massive hulk slash thing creature so he has all these superpowers and abilities so you're kind of grounded in the superhero realm except chadwick wrote a story about this character as if saying what if it's a normal dude with you know without aspirations of fighting crime and all this stuff what would he do with his time if he had these amazing powers and he becomes a travel guide writer he takes these crazy expeditions to the the himalayas and all these things he swims the atlantic um and so it's kind of like, well, here's your superhero elements. So you kind of have some familiarity, but we're going to take it in a much more human direction than anyone else has. And I, it kind of feels like an important step in the history of comics that later brought us to places like Preacher and Sandman, where the emphasis on the superpowers weakens with each step. Does that make sense? Oh yeah, I, I I liked the short stories because they were almost nothing about adventure or anything like that. Yeah, it was more of a a guy and a you know a guy who was basically the thing, mm-hmm. um, who uh, who was also just an introspective writer, the uh, and uh, not so much of the superhero and a genuinely nice human being. Yeah. Uh, that is one very important key characteristic of Concrete, although he does screw up things pretty regularly. His heart's in the best of places, but he does some pretty damn dumb things. Yeah, well, he's he's just a... I mean, he doesn't come up as a, a particularly innately noble person. He's just a writer who happened to ha- have this happen to him, and, mm-hmm. and, you know, writer, artist, and goes, oh, you know, um, so... Uh, yeah, I, I kind of still like to do the things previously. I like the fact that he draws, he he collects nudes. I know um, that is such a beautiful character quirk. A genitalless human being collects these famous artistic nudes from 
all over the world, and he pretty regularly gets crap from his friends about it, and he doesn't understand why it's weird. And it's one of those really interesting character touches, flourishes, that add a lot of depth to him. Yeah, I, I thought it. Uh, um, I mean, I felt I got a good sense of the character from what I read that wasn't what you wanted me to read. Oh, sure. Um, you just um, you miss a little bit more of the story based elements, like the historical. Oh, it looks like some concrete. of the story. It looks like some of the story. Uh, some of the pieces that I read were in this volume. Yeah, for sure. The, uh, some of the short stories repeat in the first volume. They just uh, they're chronologically ordered between yeah. the other stories. Uh, no, I mean, you you get a really good feel of who uh, Concrete is and what he's about from the short stories. I'd just like to give you hell for not reading the right book. Oh, it's totally, totally warranted. Um, I'm just happy that I, I read something of which you're talking about. Um, you know, makes me a little happy. I, I also also am happy that I frustrated you. So <laughs> if you think that I will take back the, would want to take back the fact that I haven't read the rest of the books... You are absolutely wrong. It makes me so happy. Um, so, yeah. Um. So, so next week when we're reviewing Hip Hop Family Tree, Nick is going to read Trip Pop Monkey Free. It's a children's book written. <laughs> oh, no, no. I, I'm just going to read. I'm just going to read like the, the, the first issue and the last issue. <laughs> You're going to build your own historical narrative in between those two points. No, I just need to figure out some way, some way of of making that seem reasonable that I would have done that in a way that would totally frustrate <laughs> you and save time. Fair enough. <laughs> but um, yeah, concrete. It's really interesting. The first short story I loved. It's about him being tricked into going to a children's birthday party. Yes, and uh, it's a fantastic way to introduce the character. Yeah, it is the. Uh, you know, he's like, well, you know, kind of on the verge of like, oh, I guess I am famous. So at least I'll do something, you know, to milk this a little bit. And then he gets duped into showing up at a kid's birthday party for no money. <laughs> and later on, it's actually explained why he's doing things like that. Um, the government, you know, what happens is concrete is Ron Lithgow and he is camping in the woods and he finds this crazy cave and he goes in and aliens abduct him in this cave and give him this concrete body and then they start running rigorous tests on him and his friend and they do this for a while and they keep trying to escape and then ultimately they do well he contacts a friend who is a u.s senator once he escapes from the aliens and the aliens flee and he's like what the hell do i do this you know i'm trapped in this concrete body so the government takes him and it's really a clever mechanism that they used to explain why he's just bebopping around and adventuring is the government tells everyone that he's a cyborg they created. And the strategy is for concrete to go out and so overexpose himself in the public that the public gets tired of him and stops asking questions. <laughs> so that's the motivation for a lot of these silly things that he's doing. And it's really a great idea because the government's mm -hmm. like, well, we can keep you captured or locked up here forever, but you're an American citizen and we're not terrible people. So let's figure a way out of this. And we can't tell the people that aliens exist and we're on Earth. That will just cause pandemonium. So they invent this cyborg 
thing. And it's, it's one of many nice little touches that humanize everyone involved in the story. Mm-hmm. Instead of, oh, he, he passed up the easy, lazy opportunity to make government bureaucracy evil. Uh, one thing that has to be appreciated is that um, uh, he has a little, there's, there's some great snark to him sometimes. Oh, yeah, there is. Like, um, there, even being tricked into the birthday party, there's a small little image at the end. Yes. It's the, you look at it and go, you're like, oh, I wonder what he said by that. And then your eyes just drift a little bit to the right and go, oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it basically, uh, I don't think it's a big spoiler or anything. Um, the mother who tricked Concrete to coming to the party, Concrete played along with the kids, had a great time, but just as a small snarky bit of revenge at the end, he took her car and put it on the roof of her garage. <laughs> You look at it and go, huh? Yep. I also love the uh, the cannonball. The cannonball yes. was great. The um, some of the short stories were great for just um, were great for just the speaking to his humanity. Yes. Um, the uh, a lot of them were him his imagination just running away with him, and or. You know, him just imagining all these things, and then all of a sudden, then it's kind of like reality, and it's like, oh, all right, I guess I'll go back now. (laughs) Yeah, he would imagine these fantastical situations where either horrible things would happen to him, like the public would freak out and, you know, kind of swarm him and persecute him and all these things, or he would be viewed as the great, you know, white knight savior of the situation, and then he'd be like, oh, no. That won't happen. He's a li- he has a little bit of Eeyore to him. Yeah. Where there's very much, a, at times, a defeatist nature. Yeah, it's... It, but, well, it, it's just that, you know, it's... He's he's allowed to sometimes revel just in his, you know, self-doubt or his... Uh, or just his... It's allowed... To, it can bring him down. Yeah, he's and, um he's very insecure. Mhm. So he is he becomes nothing greater by being transformed. He just he is the same person just now with this other thing that he just kind of like, oh, well there's this now too. And maybe it's cool. Oh, maybe it's not as cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then there are other times where he actually where it did slightly change him as a person. Maybe not changed him as a person, but it gave him license to push himself. And Concrete is very much about character advancement, like on a personal level. So he pushes himself to do things like swim the Atlantic Ocean. Uh, He climbs Mount Everest. He does these things to... Ultimately, things go horribly awry because he's a bit of an oaf and bad things end up happening but it is also somewhat about him really pushing who he is as a person and what he believes can be achieved and so it is somewhat inspirational in that regard yeah but he does it with i mean i guess it's done with the with the knowledge of you know kind of where he's coming from where ultimately every time you had, you just have to remind yourself or he it, the comic reminds you this was just a 
a guy who was a, uh, a writer kind of who had all of his quirks that all of a sudden became a cement man. Yeah. And all of those quirks and insecurities and self-doubt and all that stuff still exist within him. And the, the concrete shell around him allows him to withstand that self-doubt and some of those things, but they're still, it doesn't diminish them. So, yeah, and that's um, what it, separates him from a typical superhero. Um, when we talked about the uh, the writing, certainly the uh, um, the art is is that is just that line art, black and white. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, I, I love how some of the people around him are. You know, they get these these great facial these great realistic facial drawings, um, and. It, it always kind of stands in contrast to him, who's this c- comical, you know, uh, c- well, rounded figure. Yeah. So the uh, so I, I uh, you can tell more about yeah. what the actual style is while I blather on trying to <laughs> do it in my horrible way. Yeah, Chadwick uh, is a hell of an artist. He's very much in the vein of like um, Dave Stevens, who did the Rocketeer. In fact, we should do the Rocketeer. Yeah. Um, uh, black and white art, extremely crisp line drawings. Um, no no 90s cross-hatching, um, singular big thick strokes with what appears to be sometimes a quill, sometimes a brush. And concrete is um, given very thick, bold outlines to kind of emphasize his weight and yeah, it's it's really a lovely book, and it's black and white books really let art line art shine because you can't you can't hide behind color. Like if your if your line work is shoddy, it is there in apparent display in black and white work. And Paul Chadwick's stuff is beautiful. It's I wouldn't call it quite on the level of uh, the Rocketeer because God Stevens was amazing amazing artist but it is very very good and i was not expecting a lot from the art when i started this book and then by the time i'm like 10 pages in i'm like holy crap this is way better than i expected and chadwick's writing gets a little bit preachy and verbose at times but it kind of fits the character because i think chadwick is mostly writing himself as concrete yeah, I, I, it's sometimes sometimes the uh, it, sometimes his writing is a step too far. Yeah, it's like you, you, the uh, that could have been that could have used a little editing. Yeah, you, you could have reeled that in a little bit, but it is consistent with the character, and it never goes so far as to feel like it's beating you over the head with something. It gets close a couple times, but it never gets into the truly irritating spectrum. At least for me. No, uh, it, I will say it's a bit much of a, it's a bit much of a read to do in one sitting, um, because it can be kind of dense. Yeah. I ended up, uh, reading the, let's see, I read the short stories, volume one and volume two, and I must've done it over six or seven sittings. It wasn't, it's not, it's not a slow read, but it's not a very fast read either. It is so pretty dense at times. It is, um, 
but fun read. Uh, yeah, definitely. I've... It it's beautiful. It's wonderful to see that you know different for this time. You know, it's an interesting concept to take somebody who should basically who would basically be a superhero otherwise and just be a you know a concrete dude. Yeah, absolutely, and that was easily my favorite part of the book. Is they it had all the underpinnings of what would be a superhero story completely eliminated the superhero part of it. And, you mm-hmm. know, in 1986, that was kind of a big deal. I mean, shoot, yeah. Sandman I mean, didn't, Sandman didn't come out until 89 or 91, I think. God, my, somewhere uh, in there. It's, it's, yeah. It's, and that was really the next big step in non-superhero books. To feed our, to feed our, uh, the, the growing, uh, goth culture. Yeah. Oh yeah. That was, boy. Uh, yeah. 89 is when it started. Uh, I, oh, I forgot. It... it started under the DC comics imprint. It moved to Vertigo in 93. Mm. Yeah. It was a, yeah. Tough, tough to reread. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I struggled I with it more and I'm a huge gaming fan. So that says a lot. And I made it through about 25 issues a few years ago. And yeah, it it didn't age particularly well for me. No, it's tough for it's for some reason it seems like a it's a great teenager book for the '90s, and I'm and maybe a, a still a good teenager book, but as an adult, I don't enjoy it quite as much. Yeah, same here. I I liked it a lot more when I was 15 years old and reading it. But a lot so. of people still love that book, and more power to them. I, you know, it's just not my thing. Yeah. So anyway, so yeah, definitely read concrete. Yeah. I really, yeah. really liked it. Yeah, I liked I liked it too. Now I'll go back and read the volume I was supposed to read. Um, <laughs> Day late and know. a dollar short. No, yeah, but uh, you know, I, I I can't say that I didn't get nothing from it. No, I mean, uh, you yeah, actually, the short stories on their own. I read the short stories first, and I enjoyed them. And then I started reading volume one and saw there was overlap with the short stories, but there were also these meteor stories in between them. And that's why I told you just skip the short stories, read volume one, because the short stories were enjoyable and they prompted me to read volume one, which turned out to be better. So, uh, yeah, um, actually, that wasn't what I was talking about. I got to annoy you and oh, that, right. Whatever. that that made, you know, if something's going to make my day. You know, comic is great, but sweet Brock's sweet irritation. <laughs> <laughs> and it's... next, or either next week or two weeks from now, or something like that. I don't know when. Uh, it depends on how much we want to read of Hip Hop Family Tree. Mm-hmm. If you think Concrete is dense, uh, you need to start reading Hip Hop Family Tree about five minutes ago, because okay. that is. Um, I hate to use the word laborious read because it's really enjoyable, but it is dense, as historical nonfiction usually is. You know, they, they have a lot of moving pieces to talk about, and each moving piece only gets a couple of panels, and they're switching between 20 to 30 characters, and it's just like, keep up, keep up, keep up, and you have to find yourself stopping every once in a while and being like, okay, I my brain is at its maximum limit of information soaking. I need to do something else for a bit. 
Okay, I will. Uh, I will start now because, uh, yeah. Uh, otherwise, I'll, I'll be way behind, um, <laughs> and I also have so much else to do. So I'll have to yeah, fit well, it in. whatever. I mean, what are you doing? I mean, it's not like you're buying a house or anything. No, no, nothing like that. Um, you know, or uh, you know, always whine and making excuses, Nick. Well, it's what I do. Um, that <laughs> and not read what you tell me to. Right. Um, so I mean. I, it's part of why I think you keep me around. Least sure. of all, I'm interesting because you yeah. never know whether I'm going to have actually done what you told me. <laughs> That's very done. true. Yeah, so, you know. anyway, so we'll be back next week or the following week, or actually, it'll be one or three weeks. No, yeah, actually, something like that. Yeah, because I have a convention. FallCon is coming in early October at the Minnesota State Fairgrounds. If you're in the area, check that out. You can find it. Uh, just Google MCBA Comic Cons. I will be at that on Saturday, but then Nick, as we just mentioned, is buying a house. So he's going to be busy moving and doing all those things. So we're going to try and keep roughly on a every other week schedule, but we might be doing, you know, two weeks in a row and then a three week gap until yep. we get this sorted. Yep. And then we hit the winter, and then Brock has nothing to do but podcast. Yeah, basically. So. So, you know, between December and February, I will probably read about 50 graphic novels uh, because it's Minnesota and, you know, you go out once every two weeks and you're like, winter, and then you're done wintering for a couple weeks. Which is really funny uh, because uh, that's during the time where it's nice and cool here in Southern California. Yeah, exactly. My wife and I like to go out and do things. Um <laughs> So the we treat the summer like Minnesota's winter, right. in which we want to be indoors because it's blazing hot. Yeah. So we have a weird dynamic there. Yeah. Like, a little oh bit. yeah, are you ready to record? Um, yeah, sure. Uh, I think we're going to be gone that weekend. Um, so we just switch being though we just switch uh, flip that script every few, uh, few months. Yeah, we do. So um, uh, we'll figure something out, and it'll yeah. be on the website, and that will and that will be that. That'll be that. All right. So Hip Hop Family Tree coming next, and that's all we have for this week, I think. You have anything else? I got nothing. Got nothing. That's that's typical. I so, know. Well, it's me. I mean, <laughs> you, I mean, I can, if you want to do a monologue about something, I can just, you know, pick a topic. But I think we could exit this and call it good enough. Yeah. I agree. So thanks for listening. Be sure to drop us a line at countercomic at gmail.com. You can also visit our website at schlockworks.com where you can view podcast archives or view our other projects, uh, including a comic I've just started. If you're so inclined, drop by iTunes or Stitcher and give us a review. That's all I have for this week. I'm Brock Beauchamp. Oh, I just want to tell you that if you put Winds of Winter into Amazon right now, the very very first book that comes up is an erotic novel. Nice. Uh, And I'm Nick Hemsing. Bye-bye, everybody.